Today I'll be reading Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But... If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. All that the unsuspecting Bilbo saw that morning was an old man with a staff. He had a tall pointed blue hat, a long gray cloak, a silver scarf over which his long white beard hung down below his waist, and immense black boots. Good morning, said Bilbo, and he meant it. The sun was shining and the grass was very green. But Gandalf looked at him from under long, bushy eyebrows that stuck out further than the brim of his shady hat. What do you mean, he said. Do you wish me a good morning, or mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? or that you feel good this morning, or that it is a morning to be good on. All of them at once, said Bilbo. That was an excerpt from The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. Good day, all of them at once, to all of you. The sun may not be shining, and the grass not very green right now, but it is still a good day. It's a good day whether we want it or not, whether we feel it or not, because our good God resides over us and is with us. It's easy to be cheerful and carefree when the days seem good, when we're in good company, when things are as they should be. But we know that not every day would fit Bilbo's idea of a good morning. We experience many days that feel less than good. Many days come with many worries. Every day seems to bring more worries than the day before. Anxiety drips like a leaking pipe that we just cannot ignore. Where does worry come from? And how does our Heavenly Father offer us freedom from our worry? It's important that we prepare for the future and are alert to the circumstances around us. Things like studying for a test, preparing for an interview, or baby-proofing your house when you're expecting a child keeping a savings account for the future, 
and steering clear of mass gatherings so that you don't catch COVID-19. These are good things. But when our preparation becomes uneasiness and worry or stress and restlessness and fear, then we know that we've given in to anxiety. I'm by no means an expert in the field of anxiety, although I have been an expert worrier. I won't pretend to know the conditions that each of you find yourselves in today. But we do share some similar concerns, like the state of our finances, or our mental health in light of isolation, or how this year will shake out as we watch the news with bated breath. My hope is that as we navigate today's passage, the Holy Spirit will reveal himself to us, and we will find reason to trust that God is present with us and that he is for us. As we hear from Jesus today, let's pray and invite him to speak directly to our own circumstances so that we understand his love and grace for us. So pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you have given us your word, that you have given us uh, eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts and minds to understand what you have uh, spoken and how it relates to us today. I pray, Jesus, that you would show us in our own lives places where we are worried. And as we talk this morning, that you would relieve us of those worries, that we would know that we can trust you. And I pray, Lord, that as we talk, we would find more and more reason to give you thanks and to worship you. I pray this all in your most powerful name. Amen. Our passage today begins mid-thought. Thanks again, Hannah, for reading for us. Jesus has been showing his disciples the beautiful way of following God and becoming like God. Last week, we were talking about laying treasure in heaven, focusing our minds beyond the present and the passing. In verses 19 to 24, Jesus shows that worldly treasure will fail us and fade, and that we have to instead trust that our heavenly father has more in store for us as we invest in heavenly treasure which is life with God forever. This is where we pick up today's verses. Jesus asks the rhetorical question, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? His point is that we are made for more. We are made to pursue more than just the next meal or the next fad. It's important to be fed and clothed. Jesus isn't arguing against that. But if we are caught up in chasing these things down and we make that the end goal of our efforts, we miss the point. God made us for more. And yet Jesus knows that we are worrisome creatures, concerning ourselves with temporary and fleeting realities in this life. We're anxious about the way things are or the way they could be, about things that have happened or things that could happen. We're anxious about the future and how our past might come back to haunt us, and all of it ruins the present. So, Jesus addresses our anxiety. He gives two examples to show us that we should not be anxious. He shows us that we can let go of our anxieties. God assures us that we can let go of our anxiety. The first example is the birds of the air, a familiar picture for us today. We see birds almost daily. I live at the edge of a forest and I love when blue jays and robins and hummingbirds drop in to say hello. Occasionally, we get an owl with big, dark eyes staring silently through the darkness. But I don't often think about how they care for themselves. The birds fly around, they find food, they find shelter, and they're cared for by no one other than our Father in heaven. 
Jesus reminds us that even though they do no work, even though they don't worry about their next meal, God provides for them. And then at the end of verse 26, he asks if we are not of more value than the birds. The question begs to be answered with a resounding yes. We are of more value than the birds. We have the image of God impressed into our being, having been created to reflect and resemble the God of the universe, our heavenly father. If God cares for the birds, he will surely care for you. James, the brother of Jesus, puts it this way. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. It's crucial that we understand this relationship shift that takes place from knowing our father. The language Jesus uses is no accident. Where once we were separated from God because of our sin, leading us to stress and worry about what tomorrow may bring, we now have become children of God, taken in by the Father, brought into a family. He cares for us as a good father should and far exceeds any love we may experience from our earthly fathers. My relationship with my own father on earth is good. I've been blessed with a father who cares for his family. He provides for us and he guided us as we grew from children to adults. My siblings and I have received love from our father, but I know that isn't the story for everyone. If you have not had a good relationship with your father, if you've been abused or abandoned or neglected, I'm sorry. That should not be what a father is. And your heavenly father sees you and he loves you and his heart breaks for the pain that you've endured. He wants you to know that he is always present, always ready to receive you, always able to provide. He's greater than my father and your father and any father. That's the relationship that we're invited into when we come to Jesus and follow him. Of course, you are of more value than birds. The second image is of lilies of the field, clothing the grass with splendor and beauty. Jesus says, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. The intricate beauty of a lily far surpasses the glory and splendor of the richest and most decorated king in all of history. God has dressed the world in beauty. There are valleys that we have never seen before that bloom only for the sake of bringing glory to God for the work of his hands. Yet even though the fields are so adorned with beauty, Jesus reminds us that the grass and the flowers are temporary. Here today, gone tomorrow, thrown into the oven to be used as fuel. I'm allergic to lilies, so I'm okay with tossing them in the fire, even if they are pretty. But the point Jesus is making is that God cares so much for the lilies and cares so much more for us. We are of greater value than the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. An interesting point, if we go back to James, an incredible truth that God should care so much for us, even though we're as temporary as the field and the lilies. James says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. We are as fleeting as the fields. Yet God is trustworthy and knows what we need while we're here. 
This is why Jesus can confidently say in verse 32 that our heavenly father knows that we need food and drink and clothing. He's not some distant, unresponsive God who can't provide for us. Maybe today that's what you need to remember. God is intimately aware of your situation. Be it good or bad or somewhere in the middle, God knows where you are. He knows what's going on around you, inside of you. He has created you with love, to be loved, and offers you all that you need to survive, even to thrive. He knows exactly what is needed for you to be everything that he's made you to be, and he invites each of us to turn to him. The trouble is, it's hard to trust. It's hard to let go of control. Who will care for me if I don't? God says he will, but how do I know he has the best in mind? We struggle to trust people in our lives, let alone the God that we can't see with our own eyes. With the busyness of our life, we can feel like we're flying 100 miles an hour and it's just easier to try to provide for ourselves. And if we're honest, we're usually trying to get more than we need. We want to have the security that we will be fed, clothed, warm, and happy. Like Pastor Ray said last week, we pursue mammon. We pursue the things of life that we think will keep us safe and secure. Money, properties, belongings. As we spin our wheels to get what we think we need, our anxiety rises because we don't know if we'll manage to get enough. This has been our tendency since the beginning of time. God put Adam and Eve in the garden and gave them everything that they needed to live the life they were created for. They had food, they had fellowship, and they had the very presence of their father as he walked with them in the garden. Yet when the devil tempted them to eat from the tree, God specifically told them not to eat. He made them doubt that God had their best in mind. They gave in, thinking they knew better than God. And by doing so, fear became our food. Shame became our clothing. Guilt became our life sentence. Death and disorder became the norm. This is not what God created us for. By choosing our own anxiety-filled ways instead of obeying the good word of God, we declare that we think God doesn't have our best in mind, that he doesn't know what is truly good, that he is a bad father, that we can do a better job of looking after ourselves. We declare that we will hold on to power and trust in ourselves rather than in the one who loves us and made us. As a result, we bring on ourselves pain and misery, and loss, and hatred, and fear. We didn't have any worry before sin entered the world. We worry now because we feel like we're the only ones who can take care of ourselves, but there's too much beyond our control. The world and its pressures and our needs are too great. And this is the muddy, worried world that Jesus enters into to show us that God is the only one who can provide for us what we need. It's through the life of Jesus that we see how we were created to live. Jesus puts on display submission and trust, and he received all that he needed every day. His life was so closely knit with his heavenly father. He was so dependent and submissive to the father's will that he was willing to go to the cross to bear our sin and make it possible for us to enter life and become children of God. This is what Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, said. When Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued to entrust himself to him who judges justly. 
Jesus knew that he could trust his Father in heaven. This is Jesus fulfilling the Lord's Prayer, or what has also been called the Disciples' Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the same promise we receive as we follow Jesus. God assures us that we can hold on to him. He has promised himself to us, and we have seen his goodness and love through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. If we needed proof that God is for us, we only need to look at Jesus to know him and see all of God's love on display for us. We can trust that he is in control of everything, every day, even when we don't see it. God has laid out our days from before time began, and he knows what he is doing. King David reflects on this in Psalm 139. He says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as of yet, there was none of them. Our anxiety leads us to despair, to run from God, to try to take control when we simply don't have the power to do so. Jesus reminds us that worrying leads us nowhere. We don't change our circumstances by worrying. We can stir ourselves up and imagine all sorts of scenarios and still be in exactly the same place as before, just more worn down, more beat up, and more exhausted from the worrying. Verse 27 says, which of you can add a single hour by being anxious to the span of his life? Answer, not one of us. Our worry is an effort to be God instead of submitting ourselves to God. Trusting God is a hard thing to do, but God has proven himself faithful and capable. He's made us to trust him. It's how we were designed. And he showed us all through history that he cares for his people. Consider the Israelites wandering in the desert. Their concern for food was critical and their clothes had to last them for 40 years. God, in his goodness, made it so that their sandals would not wear out and their clothes did not tear. He provided manna, bread from heaven, every day as sustenance for his people. And this was despite their disobedience. They were wandering in the desert for 40 years because they didn't trust that God would lead them into the promised land. But God still provided for them. In the midst of that provision, some of the Israelites still didn't trust God. They were told to only gather enough manna for that day because new manna would fall the following day. The only day they were allowed to gather two days worth of manna was Fridays, since they were to rest on the Sabbath on Saturdays. But some of the Israelites did not believe that God would provide for them the next day. So they decided that throughout the week, they would gather two, twice the amount of manna. But when the next day came around, the manna they had gathered was rotten and full of worms. God does not promise to give us everything we want. He gives us what we need, and we must rely on him to provide. He knows better. His ways are better than ours. His thoughts so far beyond ours. When we place our trust in him, we can be sure that our hope is not in vain. Now, does this mean that we should never be concerned about what's going on around us? No, that's not the point Jesus is making here. We know Jesus was troubled throughout his time on earth. When Jesus' friend Lazarus died, Jesus was troubled and he wept. When he was thinking about the betrayal Judas was about to perform, Jesus was troubled. So what's the difference? How can Jesus be troubled, but still tell his disciples not to let their hearts be troubled? And how can he tell us not to worry? We have to remember the point of this part 
of the Sermon on the Mount. This is anxiety stemming from earthly pursuits, food, clothing, bare necessities. Jesus does not tell us that we can't be concerned with or troubled by the circumstances we find ourselves in. Illness, death, a loved one causing us pain, people walking far from God, these are things to be troubled by. But Jesus reminds us that our concern and our trouble must lead us back to the faithful God we worship. God is strong and faithful and has more than proven himself. He cares for the little birds and the little flowers and cares so much more for you. So don't have little faith. God assures us that we can trust him. Trust in the power of God, not in the power of yourself. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, when we focus instead on the circumstances or the pursuits of this life, we will sink into despair. We will be like Peter, who was walking on the water with Jesus, but began to sink when he took his eyes off his Lord. We can't have our eyes on ourselves. As the hymn goes, when we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, when we look full at his wonderful face, then the things of the earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So if today you are struggling with worry and thoughts of anxiety, even panic attacks and worse, I must ask you, where are you looking? I don't want to heap shame on you. Far from it. I want to point you instead to the only one who is able to free you from your anxious, racing thoughts. All I can offer is Jesus because Jesus is more than we need. If you're hoping for a three steps to stop worrying, you won't ever find it. That's trying still to take control of your situation, trying to mitigate or have your hand in the healing. We have to come to God and be the mess that we are and let him take control. That's the only way that we will ever stop worrying and embrace the love and kindness of our father. God has given himself to us. He's connected us to the family of the church. He's filled us with the Holy Spirit and assured us of every blessing from and through Jesus. We have no reason to fear no reason to worry, no power that could ever outdo the power of our heavenly father. This is the movement of the kingdom. In verse 33, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When we are reoriented, when our eyes are off ourselves and are fixed on Jesus, then our priorities are set in line as well. We are free to pursue God's kingdom, and by doing so, we experience the beautiful way that we were meant to live. We can then say with Paul that in any and every circumstance, we have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. We can do all things through him who strengthens us. Submitting to Jesus removes our worry because we've placed our trust in someone bigger than ourselves. We found the one who can provide our every need. When we feel the rise of anxiety in us again, or the flush of heat that courses through our body, we don't give in to the anxiety. Instead, we recognize that we are in need again of God's grace in our lives, and we return to Jesus. Then we can walk through the anxious circumstance with the assurance that he is with us. And when we give in to anxiety, when we spin our wheels, we can come back to him and confess our doubt, confess our desire to be in control and be refreshed by his word. God's promises are not for perfect people. They're for people he's making perfect. 
The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. We don't know what tomorrow brings. For our dear Bilbo, he could not have expected the grand adventure he was about to go on as he followed Gandalf. The danger, the struggle, the fight, the quiet moments, the cheerful company, the breathtaking landscapes. All of life is full of the ups and the downs, and our Father holds tomorrow in his hands. So do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Today has enough trouble. Soon enough, tomorrow will be today, and God will be faithful then just the same as he is now. As you step into tomorrow, will you choose to trust your Father? Will you let go of yourself and hold on to him? Will you trust that he really has your best in mind, no matter what may come? He extends life, full and deep and wide, and we are invited to take part. Jesus calls us to surrender and follow him. If you've not yet submitted yourself to Jesus, today is the day. Your worries may seem to overwhelm you. Your fear may feel out of control. I urge you to turn your eyes to Jesus today. In your doubting, in your uncertainty, he is the solid foundation that you can build on. He is the only one who is able to carry you through the storms of life. Make this day the day you embrace life with Jesus. If you would like to receive his forgiveness and the fullness of life he offers, you can pray this prayer with me. The prayer itself doesn't save you, but it puts into words the confession that you want to follow Jesus. So pray this with me. Dear God, thank you for hearing me today. I recognize that I cannot live this life on my own. I realize that I've been trying to do this my own way, and I've been running from you. Today I ask that you forgive me for running away. Thank you for inviting me into your family, being my father, and making a way through Jesus to receive life with you. I pray that you would give me your Holy Spirit so that I can know the peace and love of my Heavenly Father. And I pray that each day from here until I see you, you would make me more like Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. If you've chosen to follow Jesus today, please get connected to another believer. Press the button on your screen to indicate your step of faith so that we can connect and celebrate with you. You weren't made to live this life on your own. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have a Christian friend, I'm sure they would be thrilled to help you in your new life as well. If you're still not sure about following Jesus, I urge you to look into your life and ask why. Don't be afraid of the answers you might find. God is reaching out to all of us, whether we know it or not, and he can bring understanding and show us how desperately we need him. It is good to fall into the hands of our Heavenly Father. And for those of us who follow Jesus already, I'll pray that we remain in submission to him, that our anxiety would direct us to the assurance of Jesus, and that the love we have received from him would fuel us to take his love into our communities to offer the same peace and provision that we have received. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the love that you've shown us. Thank you for coming to earth and showing us what a relationship with our Heavenly Father looks like. And thank you that through the cross, through your death and your resurrection, you have overcome death so that we don't have to be afraid of anything anymore. 
your perfect love casts out fear. I pray, Lord, that as we go as your people into our communities, into our workplaces, with our friends and our family, that we would reflect the love we have received from you into every relationship that we are a part of. I pray, Lord, that you would free us from our anxiety, that you would turn our eyes back to you, and that you would show us that you are present with us. Remind us of your goodness. Remind us of your faithfulness as you have today. And I pray that this week, we would fall more and more in love with you. Pray for all of this in your most powerful name. Amen. And now, a few discussion questions and reflection questions for you to think on after hearing this message.